talking about them good old days songs, movies, radio plays Conjuring up the old-time ways in Dad's attic Okay! Alright, hello Willa. Another evening in Dad's attic. Late afternoon? Yeah. Or evening, yeah. I've got to tell you before we even start. Mm-hmm. You recommended that your mother and I go to this rummage sale today, okay. or estate sale, and I don't know why you thought I would enjoy that one. I did not say that. It was lousy. First Which of one? All, the, fir- the first one or the second one? The one out near Maywood. It mm-hmm. was a, a fancy house. It was kind of fun to look at the, the views from the inside. Yeah. But... First of all, the guy was into golf. There were all these golf clubs and things. I'm not into golf. And he had um, a huge, huge collection for sale of VHS tapes of golf tournaments from TV. You know, like, who would want these? I was like, jeesh. <laughs> so I did not enjoy that sale very much. But there was a second one that you told us to go yeah. to. And that one... <laughs> What could it we be? We bought one thing. It was a <gasps> did you see all the Mad Magazine things in the basement? Yes, I did. I thought of you for that. The, the, I'm, I'm glad you did. Mm-hmm. That was what caught my eye. The Mad Magazines were of the right era. Mm-hmm. You know, they were old No c- covers, though. No, I know. All the covers Weird. were gone. But that's happened. I yeah. don't know. But I didn't buy any. I did. In that same pile, though, they had a lot of Dennis the Menace mm-hmm. and other comic books. But they had... Not gyro. They had a comic book with a gyro gear loose comic in it. Oh. And I bought it. Oh, my gosh. Real shabby comic book. Um, they wanted $2, and I kind of... Um, Haggled bargained, them down? I bargained yeah. them down to $0.50 because it was all tattered <laughs> in the back. But the, com- the one that I'm most interested in in the middle is intact. And it's gyro gear loose. Do not disturb... And there he is. He's a he's a chicken character who okay. is a big inventor, a real brainy character, and I love him. His uh, this one's called "Do Not Disturb" because these salesmen keep coming and ringing his doorbell while he's working in his lab. <laughs> so he tries to invent something to deter them from doing that. It's funny. It's one of my it's my favorite thing. It makes my my heart glad when I see <laughs> anything with him. So and not only that, but they have another. This is not as good. But there is the character of Ludwig von Drake is in here, too. Another side character in the Disney line. Okay. And that's a good one, too. Yeah, good. So, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't, I paged through a lot of those magazines, but I didn't see any. Of course, I would have told you right away. Oh, yes. But, and for the record, I did not recommend the first one. It was just (laughs) one item that I thought you might be interested in, in the whole house. But I knew that was kind of a clunker. That was not a good place, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. It wasn't just the gulf. The the books that that were there were not good books. The records that were there were not good records. Although I got Burt Bacharach and Sergio Mendez. Oh. So. Yeah, Got to add those to those my collection. Good. Yep, yeah. Those would be fine. Yep. Yeah. I, I like I like that kind sure. of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Admit it. Record albums, you're talking. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah. So, I'm, thank uh, you for that. I'm yeah. indebted to you. Best 50 cents I've spent in a long, long time. <laughs> That's great. I like that you 
haggle down to that <laughs> and, and have such joy from it too i would have know? paid the full two dollars <laughs> if, if they i hope insisted. those ladies aren't listening right now <laughs> they'll find out the real truth that guy what uh. <sighs> <laughs> cool well um our assignments do you have anything oh well, i guess do you have anything that's new that's old or plenty but i don't really yeah. have i don't want to, i don't want to delve into it right um, i've been right. reading a lot and listening a lot and, it's and been quite a long time since you and i've talked about things i think we've got a small list of things that we're yeah we're kind of committed to right. having to talk yeah. about today so but maybe how about for, for just for the fun of it how about just blurt out the top three things that you've been listening to that come oh. to mind in the last well, couple days you know here's the thing <clears throat> um my focus today was on record albums. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to talk about the album covers um, from the from rock and roll yeah. era, I guess, or not necessarily just rock and roll. But I'm prepared to talk about that today. Mm-hmm. And I've been listening to things, but I've also been reading a lot and uh, you know other movies and etc. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know. So it's a variety. Yeah. And we haven't talked about sports much, but mm-hmm. I found this old this old book published in 1971 about the life of George Hallis, the founder and coach of the Chicago Bears. Wow. And I've been reading it. It's hmm. interesting. Yeah. And cool. as a Packers fan, I like to uh, find fault with the Bears. <laughs> and here it's 1971, and one of the themes of this book is that the Bears didn't have a good quarterback. They had one quarterback, Sid Luckman, back in the 40s, and since he retired, they, have not, they had not been able to replace him. And Wait a minute. I'm confused. This guy founded the Bears in 1971? No, no, no. Oh. The book was published then. Oh, sorry. So George Hallis was there in 1920. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. So, yeah. But the the whole part of the book that I was interested in was that in 1971, they were were complaining then that they didn't have a good quarterback since Sid Luckman. And uh, they had this experiment in the 60s where they had two quarterbacks. They would let them kind of share duties, and, mm-hmm. and the fans didn't like it. Well, here it's 2022, and people in Chicago are still talking about that, that they haven't had a good quarterback since Sid Luckman. <laughs> so it's amazing to me that this book this is quite old, and this is what they Jeez. were writing about back then. So. Wow, things have got to change for those Bears. They've had a couple of good quarterbacks who have come up and and risen up a little bit, but then they didn't Not last like long. Sid. Mm. They didn't last as long as Favre or Rogers, wow. who's still going. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Mm, interesting. Well, let me think of my three things. You didn't really tell me three. No. No, I didn't. You just kind of gave me a bunch of... That's that's the last thing I was kind of sure. doing today. But, yeah, you know, I'm, I don't have much to say about these other yeah. things. Yeah. Um, one thing I told you recently that I've been listening to a lot of um, Bob Wills. Lately. Yes, that's good. been a very good summertime choice. Ah. Every time I mow the lawn lately, that's my go-to uh-huh. music. It's so happy, uh-huh. and very um, free. They're so they have such an easy time p- putting in the little. Uh-huh. That's these, Bob Wills, these yes. little these little turns of phrase in the middle <laughs> of the songs. It's very fun. I love that stuff. Um, that's been fun to kind of rekindle. Funny that you mentioned that because I, I agree with you. If you put that on, 
there's a certain mood in the room. Yeah. There. And I've been listening to a lot of the 60s bossa nova. Oh, music. yeah. And it's summertime, so it's yeah. kind of like, put that on again, you know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not tired of it yet. Yeah. I have a playlist I keep, I, I identify my favorite, like, 20 yeah. songs from that era. And I just so good. It put you in a mood, yeah. you know, really nice mm-hmm. summertime music. I would so. agree. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Who hit upon that back then that I first uh, discovered was Stan Getz, mm-hmm. jazz saxophone player. Yeah. And he kind of uh, uh, made partnerships with these Brazilian, Brazilian yeah. musicians. And, and uh, several albums came out with those guys. And that's how I first discovered them was through him. Yeah. But there are so many really good yeah. musicians You know, from there. I don't know if I ever shared this with you. A while back I learned something interesting about that whole genre of music. Uh, um, they say it's very difficult to learn. Hmm. And there's this huge, there's this thing, I'm going to screw this up, but it's, it's been a while since I've rehashed this story. But there's some deal where the music students at in Oakland, California, were had some assignment to... Um, transpose certain songs as college pro- students. Yes, college students. Hmm. So I guess at the time it was maybe it was like in the sixties or seventies or something. Some student did this as a project and transposed "Girl from Ipanema" from the original to their version of it. But they found it easier to put it a half step higher oh. to transpose it more easily huh. because these musicians from Brazil had no problem that they're used to this and they did it this certain way. Hmm. So th- apparently, if you're very learned musician you can hear the difference immediately and know if it's the traditional one or if somebody oh. just i guess apparently every printed version that you can find now here in the u.s is a reference to that one student's work wow <laughs> yeah it's so profound prolific that that's, that's what happened i know yeah. isn't that cool so someone could listen and hear and then uh they thank you um they would you you can just immediately hear if it's that half step higher. Makes me want to listen to and I know, try to see I if know. I can identify that. I, there was a YouTube video of some musician um, hmm. scholar who was uh, explaining all of this. Mm-hmm. So I can put that link for people who are interested. Yeah. It was really interesting. This kind of leads in, you know, talking about this mm-hmm. this kind of music and uh, talking about the jazz influence mm-hmm. that it had. And you're supposed yeah, to talk about Brubeck. Right? So. so should we do that? Sure. Okay. And this is interesting. I am so glad I had a chance to research him. Because Dave Brubeck, I know pretty well his music. I've got yeah. several albums, and et cetera, but I don't know very much about yeah. him. So I'll learn. Would you like to, yeah. how about, why don't you share a few things, that, the things that you do know, and I'll fill in the blanks. How about that? Well, I think I did the last time we were talking ah. about him here on, on this podcast. Um, he was that West Coast mm-hmm. genre, or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. The, 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 cool jazz. Yeah. There, were, there was a, a whole group of them that, mm-hmm. that were part of that. And they were separate from uh, the bebop and, and all yeah, that, you know, right. that bunch. And it seems to me, it just seems kind of clean and nice compared to the bebop, which I prefer. Sure. But I like Rubeck a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I found it so interesting to learn a little bit more about him. I didn't know much. I always liked his look. I always mm. thought he had such a, I don't know, it was it's such a perfect look for that hmm. time in history <laughs> it fits so well well if you think about it i don't i wasn't prepared to talk about this because I, I do know what he looked like mm-hmm. 
and also uh, Paul Desmond. I know what he looks like, mm-hmm. and they look kind of like tip. You know, if you if you saw a picture of them, you might think that they were just some kind of office workers or accountants <laughs> or something. They were kind of clean cut, wearing suits and ties, uh, typically, and I would <laughs> guess that they were. They were kind of like bankers yeah, or something, right? Than, yeah. More than the I don't know. Maybe it's the the thick glasses or something about uh-huh. that. Something about him. I was I was had a as a, even as a young person when I I remember first seeing a picture of him when I was learning that song from my piano teacher. He just had this like nice cartoony. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really describe it fully. I guess. But yeah. Let me tell you about some of the things I learned. Sure. So. It, he had a p- really good period from about 58 to 68. That was the the biggest boom for his whole really? career. Yep. Hmm. Most would successful think time okay. in, his, in his career, according to this resource. I just looked at Wikipedia for most of this, so mm-hmm. um, not too much digging, I guess. And the four people who were with him, I think that's what they were getting at. The time when the, they were most successful and most cohesive was Selling these, the most albums. Yeah, it was with Dave. Paul Desmond, Eugene Wright, and Joe Morello. Those were the four um, main ones at their height. But, of course, there were different people here and there that filled in or, you know, as things shifted and things like that. People came and left, yeah. Yeah. Um, So his father was a cattle rancher, but his mom was a concert pianist. Huh. And she intended on doing that as her career, but ended up just teaching piano lessons for extra money instead. Hmm. Um, And he himself did not intend on going into music, but his brothers already were. So he took lessons. How many brothers? Two others. Hmm. Um, he took lessons from his mom, but wanted to go into veterinary science and work hmm. with his dad on the cattle ranch. That was his plan. Sheesh. Um, he couldn't read music and blamed his poor eyesight, hmm. but he would plunk along and somehow made it through all these lessons with his mom without, without um, her realizing that there was a problem, so he kind of went unnoticed. And I think that's maybe where the start of this whole improv yeah. feel came probably. He didn't depend on the notes nope. that he could see. Right. Know. And then, listen to this. He was in this veterinary science thing at the college near his town. And his head, the head of the zoology department told him, quote, Brubeck, your mind's not here. It's across the lawn at the conservatory. Please go there. Stop <laughs> wasting my time and yours. <laughs> and, that, and that's that's when he moved on to the next. Wow. His, the big head guy, Dr. Arnold, told him to get out of there. Uh. That was pretty cool. But then, turn of this is the, the turn for his life, he was expelled from that school hmm. for not knowing how to read. He was caught not knowing how to read music on the spot, so they expelled him. But a bunch of his professors said, no, his ability to write harmony way outweighs that so please don't don't send him away wow they allowed him to graduate as long as he promised never to teach piano so he was like what 18 20 years old something like that yeah yeah Yeah. so he said i promise not to teach other people how to play piano that way he could graduate they couldn't they couldn't rest with him going out into the world (laughs) you know educating people the wrong way i guess um they agreed to let him go on so then he moved on to serve in the army one day, he volunteered to play some music for the people, and they they loved him so much that he was dismissed from combat uh-huh. to start a band. Told, he was told to start a band. Yeah, they did that. Yep. And that's when he met um, Eugene Wright, hmm. and he was one of the very first armed forces bands to um, 
form an integrated group. So that's pretty cool. They were, they called themselves the Wolf Pack. And Eugene Wright, according to this album cover that I've got in my hand uh-huh. right here, it was the bass player, and Joe Morello was the drummer. Okay, mm. and we Good. know that we know that Desmond played the yes the sax. Yeah. Yes. Hey, was I, I? I could be wrong. I didn't write down if it was Paul Desmond he met or Eugene Wright. And I think it was Eugene Wright. Yes, that was correct. Could very well be. Um. So then, after that period, he had an accident in 1951. This might be why you think it's kind of clean okay. for his musical style. He dove into the surf in Hawaii and and hit his head, and he had some kind of nerve damage. Jeez. Apparently, he was considered dead on arrival, Whoa. and they've resuscitated him, and then ever since then, though, he had hand nerve damage, and he couldn't do these... This was 1951? 1951. This is a, like... But that's from the beginning of his Yeah, fame. exactly. Yeah. 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 I know. And it greatly influenced his style. He did a lot more blocky, chunky chord things wow. instead of the what he used to do were these long, melodic runs, and yeah. he couldn't do that anymore. So that gives you a little sense Jeez. about what was going on. Um, then he had this pretty huge honor. He was the second jazz musician ever to be featured on the cover of Time magazine. The first was Louis Armstrong. But he, speaking of fame... I'm glad you told us that because I get tired of um, reading articles where they'll say he was the second one or she was the second one or the third (laughs) one. And they don't tell you who the first one was. (laughs) So I hate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Well, he had this honor bestowed upon him and the person who told it to him was Duke Ellington came to his door and knocked Mm. on the door and said, look, you're on the top cover of time. And he was embarrassed and thought Ellington should have been the one who got Uh. it. And he said... said, that he thought it was white privilege, oh. that he was not as good of a musician as Ellington, hmm. and he had shame about that, and he carried that with him through his whole life. Oh, geez. So, um, well, that's pretty, that's pretty, I think, I get the sense that this guy was pretty with it and compassionate and thoughtful about these kinds of things. Very modest. Yes, too. It yes. It seems like he was, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, the, his album Time Out, I thought this would be important to say today because you probably have it in your stack here. here. Yeah, yeah, that's a real familiar one. Check out the art on that one. It's by S. Neil Fujita. Darn it, it's not Fujita? here. I think Fujita? I have it, but it's not in this little pile. I've got it right here. It was. It went platinum, and it was the first jazz album to sell more than a million copies. Oh, did it have a clock on the cover? No, that's the one that. This one has a lot of different um, abstract. Oh. Colorful okay. designs on it. Oh, I'm so familiar. I'm yeah. I know that was a big album. I yeah. I had it. Yeah. I love the artwork. Hmm. And then and now I want to research that artist, too. It's very uh-huh. interesting. Um, so, he, you'll like this, too, because you mentioned this last time. He was married to his wife, Iola, for 70 years. 70? 70. 70 years. Wow. Yep. Four out of his six kids are, are professional musicians. Wow. Um, he himself passed away of heart failure in 2012. He was on the way to a cardiologist appointment. Oh, and his, man. it was one day before his 92nd birthday. Oh, pretty, wow. Pretty shocking. So. Wow. But, I mean, what a what a nice life. What yeah. a... Look at the influence. Look at the, yeah. the fact that his... What I thought of at the end of this whole research, was thinking, wow, his mother seemed like maybe she was a very, very interesting person. She started this little seed in him mm-hmm. and then he continued and his kids are musicians too and yeah i'd be interested in, i wish i could know her story too huh. i so. wonder how how uh 
well respected his children are yeah. who play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know them, so I'd probably look it up and see yeah. if they're if they have anything. Maybe they're performing today. Who knows? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I thought it was really neat to hear all these little details. And the whole time researching, I had to listen to his music, and that was yeah. kind of fun to to remember. Well, you yourself <laughs> impressed a lot of people when you were pretty little and just learning to play the piano. What you did is something that I admire. Instead of learning to, to play these um, training pieces and scales and all that, you just said, I want to play this song, and you're teacher mrs mrs pardo allowed you to do that she would teach you how to play this difficult piece of music instead of doing all that yeah. basic stuff and you were playing some pretty good stuff like uh, at christmas time you were the carol of the bells mm-hmm. and, and some of the Vince Garaldi <laughs> stuff and fun. blue rondo a la turk when that you were little <laughs> <laughs> you were good that was that was, that was very fun. impressive to hear that it was a uh, exercise in hand strength. I remember just being fatigued after a while. Oh my gosh, I can't. My hands are too tired to keep going. You know. Hmm. I just imagine this guy. He must have had great grip strength. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I should listen to it more. I, I have not listened to him lately, but I think I will. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, In now knowing knowing these details about this whole nerve issue. Yeah gives you an insight into why it helps you understand a little bit more you know stylistically there's a certain reason why it sounds this way more than just there are jazz piano players who like uh, mccoy tyner maybe or some others who who play a lot of um runs yes and they're they're very fascinating and, and they sound really nice but those fingers are moving a million miles an hour yeah and that Rubik, uh, you're right. He doesn't. Do, yeah. it's, it's more like if you think of the, the chords he plays in, take five. Yep. It's, 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 yeah. He's not. He's not doing a lot of chunky. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and I think that's very inspiring too. That he would have. This sounds like a pretty significant injury, and he didn't stop playing jazz. Yeah. He figured out a way. That isn't that the beauty of jazz that you can make it a different version for yourself, mm-hmm. make it work for you. And it's not like his piano dominated every piece of music they yeah. did. He, he allowed the other guys to, right. to have their That was the other thing. He he was similar to Benny in the in the fact that so many times he had Jack Benny? Yeah. Oh, okay. In that so many times his his quartet would be denied because they had one black uh, musician. Oh, and he would say, uh-huh. Well forget it, I'm not playing at your spot. Isn't that something. Multiple times though, he would he would just say, Well, sorry, mm, goodbye. Yeah. But isn't it's cool to know he was yeah he was one another one of those people. Hey, the jazz musicians back then, they, they, you, it's like where 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 were they be playing where they had that I attitude? Right, you're Come right. on, yeah, they, yeah. They, they were so it was just like uh, it, a, lot, a lot of places it was expected and yeah. accepted. Oh, come on, jeez, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd rather move on to. Seeing, I want to know what you got a old big old stack. Of oh, some of these are Brubeck. I've got, I've got Brubeck albums. In nice, here. yeah. So, album covers. Yes. Okay. Take it away. Are you really ready? Okay, we're, we're done. Okay. Well, first of all, before I even mention the album covers I like the most, or I got a couple that I mm-hmm. don't like. <clears throat> there are tons I could talk about who that, that are really good, and tons that are really bad. That 
could be talked about here today. I'm just only going to talk about a few. But when I was young, albums were the thing. And I miss those days because today, well, here's a, there's been a whole evolution that's gone on with albums and then, well, cassette tapes and eight-track tapes, but CDs were mm-hmm. came along. And uh, and now we don't even have those. It's yeah. kind of, you don't see CDs no. much anymore. But it was very nice when albums were the thing because you could walk into your friend's house and you'd see the albums. You know, they'd often have them kind of leaning against the stereo system. And you'd, you'd know right away, oh, you got this new album. Mm-hmm. or And you'd talk about the album. After a while, CDs were kind of hidden away. You couldn't see them. When you're trying to read the lyrics that were printed in the CD, yeah. you got to get the magnifying glass out. Albums were just better. You could pull these big sheets of posters yeah. out, and well, it's like a you know. it's like a complete fusion of different types of art. You got the you got music and visual art combined. Yeah. but that, a CD is not the same platform no. for that at all. And actually, albums had a side A and a side B, mm-hmm. and I think the, the the makers of these albums purposefully put the songs yes. in a certain order so you you'd have a you know side a song one was a that was you know you put yes. probably your best song on there yeah not always but it was like wow you had that one have a good song that started yeah. and then the second one was you know they have certain order to it and a reason why a you story. put them in order and the side two first song was Same a significant yeah. song you know so when they just kind of took us an album like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely yeah. Hearts Club Band, they put it on a CD. Or you kind of lost like that. Pink Floyd. Yeah. Think of that. I mean, when, when when side when the song that used to be on side two, number one, when that gets played, it kind of loses its its yeah. place when you let's right. do it on a CD, or yeah. now MP3 or whatever method. Oh, that you use. really screws it up. Yeah. Because then you're it's just whatever one you feel like. You, oh, I like this one, but none of the other ones on the song. <laughs> or I don't yeah. know. I, I never. Often I find myself I like this one song from this one band but i'm not willing to see if i like the whole rest of their album yeah. it's too much work or effort mm-hmm. so then i just don't and, it's and a i shame. think i think at one time albums were just a mishmash of songs uh, this at this group or this singer has now made enough single records mm-hmm. he's got enough to fill up an album yeah. okay put them on an album and put it out there but then they became these themes where yeah you had there was a certain reason for mm-hmm. why there was a kind of a story being told or something. Right. Um, the Who sellout. Yes, imagine that. Or even going back, Sinatra did a, mm-hmm. an album that was kind of seen as a theme. You know, there, there was a certain yeah. Uh, what was it? What would you say? There was a certain kind of a. He method. was the first one who had, who did that. All songs that had to do with being feeling melancholy, lonely. Yes, come fly yes. with me was all about travel. Yeah. Yep, Sinatra did mm-hmm. that. And a lot of groups came along later with that kind of a thing. Yeah. Where there was and he, a, think about the album art. Certain kind of thing was being presented to the audience. Right, yeah. right. It wasn't just a conglomeration of stuff. Yeah. What were you about? Well, on Come Fly With Me, he's got this extended hand. Like, come, oh, yeah. You, nice listener, come come with me. And there's a plane in the background. Yes. And then, oh, my favorite one on that whole album is the final song. Like you said, ah. it's this whole story. You're going around the whole world with Sinatra. And the last one is... Oh, how nice is it to go traveling? But it's oh so nice to come home. Yes. Oh. And that last song ought to kind of ring in your mm-hmm. ears for a while because of the, the album's over yes. and that's the one you're left with. 
So, yeah. Yeah. And it's true because he also had a few collection albums that I remember listening to as a young person. Ugh. <laughs> Some of the first songs, all of the songs were just beautiful and quiet. So quiet that sometimes I'd put it on at night to fall asleep. It was the most beautiful way to fall asleep, except he had these, the last song on each side of this one album, some random collection of hits, it was like the loud, oh. Laura, oh, she's <laughs> only a dream. It's like, jeez, I'd wake up, oh, crap, you know, flip it over again and start yeah, over. Maybe they should have uh, done that differently. Yeah, they didn't but you get know, the did hits I, yet. Did I gripe the last time or two times ago when we were together about, um, what's her name again? Crawl, yes, Diana Crawl. You griped. You griped. <laughs> I th- it's coming back to mind. You griped here. a good one because I think a lot of times singers Sinatra album mm-hmm. usually there's a picture of Frank Sinatra on the front, yes. and there's a different one on the yes. back. So they, they what else are you gonna do? Um, Streisand too. There's a picture yeah. of Barbara Streisand here. So they all do that. I think a lot of times that's the way they do it. Mm-hmm. Even Brubeck, you know, he, there's a picture of Brubeck on the cover. Yeah. Crawl went too far in that one CD that I happened to get my hands on, where she had about sixteen pictures of herself. Yeah, and they were icky pictures, I thought. So, but this is leading up to my thing yes. about album cover art. Groups got more rock groups got mm-hmm. more creative and inventive with yes cool art pictures, not of themselves mm-hmm. often, and that's what I'm going to talk about here. Yes, let's okay. hear it. One of my favorites, and this is, this is, again, it's kind of a random jumble, and it's not <laughs> comprehensive, that's for sure. There's Your tons, collection, you mean? Yes, the yes. ones I'm going to talk about today. Only have like three albums that I, oh. that I, that I identified as personal f- kind of favorites that jumped into my brain right away when we okay. talked about this. Fog Hat. I don't even like Fog Hat all that much, but I love <laughs> this album cover when I was in college, Fool for the City. One of the, I don't even know which guy this is. But he's sitting on a like a wooden box, fishing. He's got a fishing line going down into this manhole. He's on a city street with cars, parked cars all around him. Fool for the city. It's a great song about this guy who's he's had enough of the country and he wants to be in the city. You know, he's going to the city. So the song is Fool for the City, and here's this guy. He thinks he can go fishing in this manhole and catch something. So there he is all by himself. And on the back cover, the other members of the band are all surrounding him kind of one guy's got his hand up, like, you're not going to catch anything there. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great album cover. Uh, and they got funny. this old man here. I don't know what his role is. He's looking kind of like befuddled. But <laughs> I just think that's the greatest, one of the greatest album covers right there. That's funny. <laughs> they make you laugh. You know, yeah. That kind of thing. This one, I love this album cover. What King, is it? King okay. Crimson Red. Wow. And the, the songs are good. The first song is called Red. It's an instrumental. And it's followed by other songs that are... Eh, side one has two more songs. Those have uh, lyrics, real nice songs. And then uh, side two, there are two more songs. I think one of them is instrumental. One of them has some words. I'm not even sure anymore. But it's side one that I know the best. I used to play this over and over and over. <laughs> King Crimson Red. There's a black and white picture of the band on the front. King Crimson is written in white, and then Red is written in red. Yes. And the song is, a, I think, is a great song. It's um, Robert Fripp and his guitar. And, of course, there's a bass and drums, too. But 
it's it, you can hear this the the, well, the way it starts you can kind of use your imagination and you hear this like a a spaceship or some kind of a uh, jet something that's moving fast and it's it it kind of takes off you can kind of hear this thing accelerating mm. the music is kind of doing that and then it hits this high speed and the music changes it's all instrumental mm. but when you turn, look at the back of the album, they've got something like a tachometer. Oh. It's just, it's just a, oh, it's see. all it is. It's a still photograph of this, like a, what would you call that? Some kind of a dial on a, on a dashboard. Yeah. And they've got, it goes from one up to seven. <laughs> and it, it, one, two, three, four, five, six are in white. white. And then seven is in red, which kind of is a warning. You're, yeah. up, you're going too fast. And the needle is way up past seven. So <laughs> red, you know. What and when you listen to this, to I thought, I'm in college, it. I used to be kind of, sometimes I'd be under the influence of some kind of a... <laughs> of a uh, what a sweet way of saying Mind-expanding <laughs> substance. And I'd be staring at this thing and listening to that, and it felt wow. like you were moving that fast, you know. Wow. It's really well done. Well, there, there's a perfect example of where they can use a visual in in tandem with the music to really express something a concept uh-huh. you know maybe beyond what you know what you maybe you'd get that just by listening to it but th- probably with, with not the addition of this I, you can yeah. really you know cement that in your yeah. brain right i think if, if you heard that music you might think oh this is good and you might say why do they call it red and without right, this yeah. i don't think you'd figure it out but i don't is, i have that you know? album and I don't think I ever even noticed the back, to be honest. Oh. Because I just put it on. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, it was like the front. If you look at the front, it's kind of like, oh, three guys. Uh-huh. But until yeah. you really that sit is, and listen really to it. That really is cool. But that also the is a testament to how you, this is why when you wanted to do album covers, I thought, oh, that's a really good, that's a really good topic. I don't know that I can speak to any, I, there's none that come into my mind that I feel like confident having some kind of connection with, really. Because... I am not from a generation where I have a bunch of albums in my house. I'll put them on and thoroughly enjoy them, but I don't sit the way you're sitting uh-huh. with the album cover on my lap as I listen and just listen. I'll put it on and do other things, draw or what, sure. do dishes or something. But it sounds like part of the experience when you were growing up is you put it on, you sit with the album cover, and you Definitely. analyze it That's while you listen to it. it. Yep. And often the lyrics would be inside the, the flap, and you can right. pull that out and read along. Um, it's a little it, bit it was more an important part of the listening of yeah. a whole a whole, a whole experience. And it seems also to me, it could be wrong, but it seems like this was the intention from the artists themselves. Okay, we know that these listeners are doing it this way, so we're gonna uh-huh. think about that as we produce this piece of art. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. just a background music. Yeah. I, I imagine Robert Fripp, who wrote the song Red, mm. might have envisioned this from the start. I'm right. going to put something yeah. like this on the album cover. Yeah. You know, as some kind of an aid for right. the listener yeah. to understand. Because yeah. really, without it, it wouldn't make all that much sense. Yeah. Red. Why is he calling it Red? And maybe but that's that what makes it you. more of a special standout piece of music, too, that it, it's got a storyline beyond just being an instrumental piece. You know, mm-hmm. it sticks with you And more. I think, I really think that there are other ones. And they possibly could come to mind, and I'm going to probably say like tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, why didn't I talk yeah. about that album cover? Yeah. Because there are tons of them. Like there are probably yeah. tons that have this kind of a thing going on, 
and in the days mm-hmm. or the in the future, I might say, oh, we have to revisit this because right. I have two or three here I want to talk about. Yeah, that's good. Maybe yeah. we can have that as a segment. Sure. Part of the any other updating album. some right. old topic. Yeah. And I don't think I mentioned this to you yet, but on our last episode, I included a question for any listeners who feel like it at the at the bottom. Oh, good. If they want to write in, they can. I, I asked, are there any album covers that are yeah. significant to you, for better or for worse? Yeah. So if you're listening, please feel free to. There add. are. I'm sure there are just hundreds that could be oh, talked yeah. about in this in this uh, on this topic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Ooh. This is what this go. is my third and only my last one I want to talk okay. about today. It's a great album cover. Unfortunately, when you see this in used album stores, often the sleeve from the inside is no longer there. Uh, but this has got the original sleeve on it. He's got it, folks. This is but the Bonzo Dog Band, Tadpoles. And it's a good, great album. I love the album. So you've got three members of the band on the front and three on the back. The ones in the front, though, are the, they're probably the, the main guys. Vivian Stanchel, Neil Innes, and Legs Larry Smith. So there they are. And, you know, albums, I think when they made these album covers, sometimes the producers frowned on some of this stuff because they had to do with some of these pop-ups. Yeah. There's a Jethro Tull album cover where you open it up and, these, and the, the band members come up like a pop-up book. That must have been difficult to, <laughs> yeah. to make thousands of albums with that, you know. Right. This one, they've got cutouts. The, the Legs Larry, Leg Larry Smith's eyes are cut out. Vivian Stanchel's eyeglasses are cut out, so there's actually, you know, animation. There's, there's, yeah. And, As you and then the... Neil Linus's forehead's got three vertical cutouts, so you can kind of see through. If you if you remove the album and the sleeve, there's just blank spaces where those eyes sure. and where those spaces are. But the the sleeve itself has got this great <laughs> art from the uh, old fashioned lithographs or something. I don't know what you'd call this. But when you look at it like this, it just looks kind of nice and pretty. Yeah. But when you slide it into the album cover, I'm talking about the paper sleeve that the album is in. Right. And when you put it in here and then slide it across, you've got stuff going on with Vivian Stanchel's eyes, and then there are two eyes. So when you open, (laughs) when you look at it like this, you don't really notice those eyes that are there. But they fit right in, and he's looking at you. That's and great. legs, Larry Smith. His he's got these empty eyes. Yeah. Where the slots are, and there's a series of these blue dots here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he moved. he's like he's looking from left to right, left to right, left to right as you, as That's you go so through. Funny. And, and it's, Neil? it's very very cool. It's it's an interactive kind of an album cover. Yeah. Neil has these red musical symbols uh. and notes. So that's what's on his mind. That's cool. But when you slide it through, and you slide it through, there's music, 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 and then it ends up with emptiness. So it just <laughs> he's got, it's a, like blank. It's, that's kind of his. That's kind of his personality. Yeah, but. I see. Right now, you're just showing me with the eyes, and everything is just static, straight. Uh-huh. And they, first of all, legs looks so pleased. <laughs> Vivian looks like Vivian. He's just very. Dark. Yeah, yeah. And Neil looks like he's got music or nothing. He's just like deadpan. Uh-huh. It's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a great album cover. Yes. It took a lot of planning and, and sure. fun and work to do that one. So. But it fits so well. You know, look at that. It's. You mentioned Barbara Streisand, and she has a big face on the front. I think that fits for her. But mm. boy, is it nice that they're that this 
um, producer allowed them to do to go to this length to make this happen for Bonzo because it it makes sense. It, yeah. Fans of theirs would not expect anything less. You know, you gotta have. Well, something you know, fun. it just occurred to me that that the single acts Springsteen or James Brown, mm-hmm. they're they're gonna have a picture of that person on the album yeah. cover. That's what usually what they have. Yeah. Even if they weren't just a crooner, you know. Yeah. Well, Springsteen has that one. He's got postcard pants, from right? from Asbury Park or something. That's yeah, different. Yeah. But most of the time, he's on there. You know? Yeah. And that's that's acceptable. What else are you gonna do? Yeah. With, with these guys. Right. But these groups, they got a little bit more inventive. Yeah. The Beatles do you too. Think you know. Maybe part of it was so that they didn't have one of them say, "Well, I need to be in the front." That way, they could yeah, be a little maybe. more collaborative who, or something. Who gets to be? In the forefront, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't or maybe it was just for, they were just having fun, you know. Yeah. Not to mention, it is kind of cool. Over the course of doing this podcast with you, I have discovered different artists that. that I mean, this man who designed Brubeck's thing, I looked him up, and he was mainly known as an artist of album covers and book covers. Uh, he found his career in that field. Well, Roger Dean hmm. did all those album covers for Yes. Uh, and Uriah Heep, and uh, other bands too. Um, he had this kind of science fiction, uh, fantasy right. style, and he was famous for just doing album covers. You yeah, know? you could recognize him right away. Like, yeah. oh, he he did that one. You know. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is kind of sad that there's not an outlet for that as much anymore. Yeah. Although someone Adam told me, I think, or some, one of my friends was saying how they they would argue that that beer cans have become the new album art oh god that, really? that, that's kind of where where artists find their chance so these to, craft beer right yeah, 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 yeah i see it's like uh, people will buy them because of the art sometimes well they used to be like rolling papers or yeah. you know there's always gonna you're gonna, gonna find art. a place to find yeah. you know there, people want that there's a value mm-hmm. to it so well our crumb did a lot of stuff mm-hmm. album covers and yeah. such yeah yeah okay a couple album covers that i don't like oh it should be on. no surprise to you because I'm picking on the Rolling Stones again. Nope. I don't like them in so many ways. But here's this album cover. Oh. And I don't like Andy Warhol, and he designed this album cover. It's the it's the Sticky Fingers album, which is just so unsubtle. It's a picture of a man's pants with a zipper that you actually the zipper included, so you can bring the zipper down. You know, eh. it's so unsubtle. And then the name <laughs> of the album is Sticky Fingers, you know. Ha ha. It just, yeah. I don't know, I never liked this. Then when you open it up, you got th- this man's underpants, you know. <laughs> That's Andy Warhol. It's like, come on. I don't know. They're just like the bad boys. Like yeah. The Rolling yeah. Stones. Let's be, let's be bad. Like little boys who are trying to be bad. Yeah. And I don't appreciate it. I yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It's a little... It's trying to be edgy like everybody else, and maybe, you know. Then they made this one in reaction to the Beatles, I think, Ah. Sgt. Pepper. They made this album cover. um, I forget what the first part of Their, I was going to say his. Their Satanic Majesty's Request. Mm. It's a great album cover with this 3D picture of the stones and all that. Too bad the album stinks. It's one of their their least acclaimed albums. You mentioned that in one of our early episodes, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I forget what yeah. the topic was, but that's you know, I have to give them a little credit for coming mm-hmm. up with a good album cover. They had some good ones, mm-hmm. album covers, I mean. Um, but here's one of my favorite bands, Lousy Cover. 
It's a great album. One of yeah. their best, best albums. The Who. And it's the Who's Next album. Um, this came out when I was a teenager, and I remember thinking, oh, is that ever cool? And it's not cool. The four band members just peed on this big block of, of concrete, and they're zipping up their pants. It's, it's like, what the heck? These are grown men. Why would they do that? And why? why is What a strange... Both... Two of the, the three that you shared are kind of like this machismo, yeah, like marking your territory or something. I don't know. An odd, yeah, thing to be proud of. This huh. is an excellent album that was groundbreaking and yeah. introduced all this new sound that they did with with the synth, synthesizing huh. these things. And I don't know. And apparently, the little bit of research I know, Pete Townsend was very disappointed that mm. they used this. Oh, and that. I don't think it was him or the band who gave it this album cover's name. Who's next? It's just so obvious. You know, it's so kind of childish. Who's next? It's so, yeah. You know, he didn't like that at all. Very interesting because I also have that album, but Uh, I, again, never looked at it close enough to even realize. I just thought, oh, this is kind of boring. It's a kind Me of a, too. When I, I was a kid, I remember thinking nothing of this, but then, then you can see Roger Daltrey especially. Yeah. You can see him zipping up his pants, and you can see the These big... wet marks, yeah. Yeah, the wet I thought they were just standing around on a hillside or something. Yeah. But what, so is that, what is that structure? Um, I did a little reading about it. This is some kind of... Look at all the slag yeah. field of just... It, they say that this was... I don't know what this actually was for, but it was maybe to measure the... the oh, and that they think that this has been buried under, it might wow. still exist, but it's buried under the more slag that was put into this area. You know, just huh. some kind of a field where they put How this odd. stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. It does seem like they a missed opportunity. You have this new bunch of new music, and it's yeah. kind of like, look at the difference. You could you could have gone to a different level and. And again, it's kind of like let's be something. naughty or let's yeah. be, you know, but these it's like grown men. Come on, who, who are you trying to impress with this? Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh. Well, aren't we lucky to be at this point where we can look back and say, mm, poor taste. <laughs> <who>? <laughs> poor taste. You know, this is the thing, though. The Beatles, I'm going to go to bat for them. They did that stupid album cover with the, with the dead baby dolls or whatever mm-hmm. that was y- yanked off the yeah. market and replaced. So they made a mistake there. I don't know what they were thinking with that, but they had some. They had some good album yeah. covers. They really did. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, uh, Abbey Road, great album cover. Mm-hmm. You know, very cool things that yeah. were going on that that linger today. Like, mm-hmm. look at this mysteries you know? and yeah. So even the White Album, no one had done anything like that. Yeah. I mean, that's talking about. Yeah. Let's not. But then the inside too. Yeah, there are all kinds that's of. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. It's not, like they, it's not like they took a, you know, an off day. They still did. They still had interesting things to look at on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know? Not too many bands would feel comfortable enough to just put white and nothing yeah. more, you know? Right. They, they, and it's so iconic. Put my iconic. picture on there. You, can you imagine yeah. somebody doing that before <laughs> they were famous? Right. But, yeah. That's the Beatles did a, some really good album covers. Yeah. and. The Klaus Wurman one. For yeah, the that's a cool one. I love yeah, that one. There's all kinds of good ones that they did. Mm-hmm. And they just, they didn't do this kind of stuff. Right. Like the, the Rolling Stones. In- <sighs> there is a way to be groundbreaking without being uncouth. Right? Yeah. There's a w- and I think that's the, what you're getting at. It's kind of like comedians who rely only on using swear words to be edgy. 
well, if your jokes aren't funny, it doesn't matter how much I you agree. swear. I agree. Right? Yeah. Be funny. And then yeah. you don't have to rely on that. Now, to pick on the Rolling Stones one more time, I'm, I'm going to try to promise not to, <laughs> not to mention them anymore <laughs> in future shows. Yeah. Even, you know, everybody yeah. listening Unless it's, me, if, you like know, we sh- if there's a, somebody who likes the Rolling Stones, <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> I have liked their, some of their yeah. individual songs. Yes. But there's one, you can find it out there on, on YouTube or whatever. I don't know where you, where you find these things. But Mick Jagger... To fulfill some contract, he was supposed to make X number of records, and he was mad about having to do it. So he made some record that he knew would not get put on an album, mm. but it was going to satisfy the wording of the contract or something. And it was a real filthy yeah. um, theme to it with such language that you wouldn't hear on TV ever again. Yeah. Um, it starts with a C, okay. blues. And I'm not going to yeah. mention it, but he, he and he uses these filthy lyrics, and you know the Beatles would not have done no. that. He did that, I think. And, and you know, the funny thing is, if you look that up on YouTube, it's easy to find. People who write the comments down below, one of them said, "This is why they were so groundbreaking." And it's like, oh come on, yeah, oh, I know, you know, jeez. <sighs> so anyway, yeah. I don't want to end with such yeah. a negative spin on things. I'll go back to these great album covers, yeah. and there are many, many more. Yeah, there I think we should have more. a little. I like this idea of having maybe a you know two or three album covers featured. Yeah, per per episode, maybe for yeah. for a while. That'd be kind of fun. One of my favorite album covers as a kid was by the Who. The sell, who sell out? You yeah. mentioned it before. Yeah, with Roger Daltrey in a bathtub full yes. of baked beans. And it just—it's kind of like an iconic. <laughs> and it's thing. cool because each of those—it's like here they are, photos of each person from that band, but they reference <laughs> things that are happening in yep. the songs. Things that they're advertising yes. and selling. Yes. Yes. Sellout. Yeah. So. So that was, I remember that was, that well was one as a kid. I remember really pouring over that and realizing, oh, they're singing about Odorono, <laughs> and he's he's putting it on. Yep. There's the deodorant. What? It was kind of cool to uh-huh. make that connection. Yep. So, so there are there are so many good record albums though. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, including some of these ones mentioned before by this Dean. Um, oh yeah. They're they're fascinating to look yeah. at. Uriah Heep. I liked them when I was a kid. Today, you know, not so much. But it's it, I still enjoy listening yeah. to it. But the album covers are fascinating. Mm. I remember them being that way when I was sixteen. Yeah. And. I still enjoy the vivid mm. colors and the and the wizards and the <laughs> the, uh, the magician's birthday and yeah. all that kind of stuff and the yes albums too done by him. Cool. They're they're fun to look at. Yeah. Um, you know we I should I'm not sure if we should, I'll include this or not but whatever we mentioned the idea of starting an Instagram account for this podcast hmm. and um, I think it would be maybe a great way to kick it off by putting some of these images on there oh. so we, people can see what we're talking about. So the records you mentioned today. The three nice records. Yeah. So the King Crimson, you have to show the front and the back. Of course. And you probably do the same, same with Fog Hat. I probably do the same for all three. Yeah, why not? Why not? And maybe with this one, the Bonds of Dog Band, you've got to show. Right, a video. Slide the paper yep. sleeve back and forth. Yeah. There's a one by the faces too. Ooh la la. Ah, that album, yeah. Where you move the sleeve back and forth. Huh. 
somehow the guy's eyes are doing something yeah. ooh la la. <laughs> it's very well done. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, but maybe I'll post that so that we can so that listeners can see what we're talking about. You can find yeah. Dad's Attic on Instagram. That would be nice. Good. Yeah. Okay. Would you like to play a quick round of merry-go-round? Sure. Okay. There are never any guarantees. I know. This. Okay. And let's make it kind of quick. We're not. We don't have much time. Okay. So let's do. Hmm. Let's do Dennis the Menace since you mentioned Dennis him earlier. Dennis the Menace. Yeah, there were a whole bunch of those comics at the rummage sale today. Yes. And I chose not to get them. Dennis <laughs> the Menace. How about um, Jay North? He's the, the kid who played Dennis the Menace on oh, the TV show. Oh, that's good. But you can kind of go with Jay North. Jay North. Okay, North by Northwest. North by Northwest. Wow. Uh, let's see. I'll do... Uh, I'm trying not to be too obvious, but I'm <laughs> going to do Cary Grant. Okay. He was in that movie. Um, Grace Kelly. I don't think she was in that movie. No, I'm talking about... Oh! Didn't they... Oh, they were in other yeah. movies together. Okay, sure. Right. Grace Kelly. Okay. All right. Um, Gene Kelly. Ooh, that's good. Oh, I like Gene Kelly. A dancer, yes. He's so good. All right. Singer and dancer, I think. He yeah, like yeah. Called, yeah, like to be called. Um, anchors Away. Anchors Away. Okay. And away we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, who said that? Um, Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, well, Jackie Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Gleason. I bet you think I'm going to say Art Carney, but I'm not going to. I'll say Jackie Gleason. How about um, Audrey Meadows? Ooh. Okay. How about Audrey the Plant from Little Shop of Horrors? I don't know that movie. Really? I oh. know the title of it, but I don't think I've ever the seen man-eating it. The Man-Eating Plant. Okay. All right. I know a little bit about it. I know there was such a thing. But well, you yeah. could do horrors. Something with That's that. That's true. Right? Or Horrors. Or the Unicue Shop. Hey, when I was a kid, we'd get the TV guide. Mm-hmm. Made that mag- little magazine, yeah. and we would pour over that when it came. Oh, what's <laughs> going to be on this week? You know, there were just three networks pretty, pretty much, um, but we would look to see the movies, and mm-hmm. they would say comedy, musical, drama, horror, <laughs> and those the ones would catch our eye because we weren't always allowed to watch yeah. those. But we'd look at them and say, "Oh, mom, can we watch this one or that one?" And sometimes the answer would be yes, but sometimes we no, no, not that one. So yeah. <laughs> But that was kind of fun. That's cool. Um, Vincent Price Ooh, was often in those. That's so. good. Okay. Wait, what were we trying to get back to? Oh, Dennis the Menace. Oh, my gosh. Mm. How the heck are we going to get back there? I got it. Oh. Vincent it. Price. The Price is Right. Okay. And I think Dennis, what the hell was his name? There was a guy. <laughs> uh, I think The Price is Right was on way before even Bob Barker was doing it. Okay. And there was Dennis James. Was the, I'm going to look him up. I think his name was Dennis, Dennis James. Dennis James, okay. I'll look it up. He was you. a quiz show guy, so I think we're getting pretty close. Dennis the Menace. Um, Dennis we we James might have made Price it back. Right. Dennis James, we're, quiz. We're 
Checking with the almanac right now. Yeah. According to the almanac. Yep. You're right. Really? It's true. <laughs> what what year was he on? Um huh. <laughs> let's see. Boy, we're getting oh. off here. Probably um, probably the sixties, maybe even earlier, I'm not sure. Looks like. Yeah. So, in wait. Dennis James was a he was on other quiz shows too, I think. Quizmaster. Let's make a deal. He no. did Let's Make a No, that was no. Monty Hall. Boy. I don't know, Dad. Okay. It's too hard to we don't have to we don't have to have all the details. Someday we'll research it. I'm satisfied. <laughs> Dennis James was a quiz yeah. guy, a quiz quiz show guy. I mean, he might have been on The Price is Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's close enough. <laughs> oh no, here. Yep. Okay. He di- he didn't do prices right officially. I see it right on there. He did. Yep. Oh. Yes. Okay. He might have been the first host of that show. I don't think so. It looks more like the seventies. Oh, okay. Oh, he hosted it um, from nineteen seventy-two to seventy-seven. The Price is Right. Okay, good. Okay, uh, good. Not good. Good memory. That's great. <laughs> We took it all the way back from Dennis the Menace you, you to Dennis You carried James. that last bit there. Wow. <laughs> that was impressive. Wow. Well, that was good. All right, Dad, do you want to pick something out of the jar for next time? Yes. Okay. All right. It says Batman. That could be the comic book from the 40s, the later movies. I'm going to talk about the TV show that was on when I was a kid during okay. the 60s. Okay, Batman. That's great. I was just started watching those episodes I'll recently. I'll be so. eager to talk about that. That's good. Okay. Um, rather than pick something out of the jar for me, I want to give both of us a little assignment, okay? All right. I've been telling you about that Betty Davis and Joan Crawford oh, yeah. show yeah. called Feud. Um, and I think you should you should w- try watching the episodes, and maybe I'll watch Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I saw that movie time. not too long ago, so I'll be able to talk about that a little Great. bit, too. So should I watch one episode of this, or uh, there's several, right? There's a lot, so maybe just start it and see okay. how you like it. Okay, sure. So we can converse. Nice. Yeah. Good. Okay. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you this. All right. You're up in my attic, Ooh. and when you came over, I was in the middle of this new Gyro Gear Loose comic, and I want to finish it, okay. so you have to leave now, <laughs> Willa. <laughs> Off I go. <laughs> oh, it's <that's> fun. <laughs>